0: There listeners, this is the Spotlight on Grace podcast where we're focusing on what's happening at Grace Church and how God's grace is making a difference in our lives. I'm your host, Bert Bolton, and Tanya Marks is in here again today. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How Great. are you? I'm good. Sun's shining. I can't it complain. Is. It's another testimony day. I love them so much. And if any of the listeners are feeling inspired or just feel like maybe you have a testimony that people need to hear because I think everyone has a testimony that people need to hear and you want to point people towards Jesus and glorify him with how he's worked in your life. Let us know because we, yeah, we'd love to have you in here. We, it may not make the, make it for this summer, but I think it could work in some other time and Mm -hmm. we would definitely love to have you in here to record it. You can let us know by just grabbing one of us and letting us know, or you can email us. We have an email address. It's podcast at Columbia org. That's right. And, that's kind of how this testimony, the person we have today, came about, right, Tanya? I mean, we didn't ask this person. This person wanted to come in and share. Yes, her. I think the whole. I think she got Holy Spirited instead of Tanya. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get blamed for a isn't, lot of
0: this. Isn't Tanya kind of the same thing? Like the Holy Spirit just prompted you, and then it depends on who you <laughs> ask.
1: But this they the Holy Spirit didn't even need a middleman for this. That's one. right. Just went straight. <laughs> so um, our interview today, our testimony is from Miss Linda Bocci. Go ahead. Hello. There she is. And um, and I literally cannot tell you how excited I was when the text came through that said, I feel like I should share my testimony. And I thought maybe she had heard some of the other testimonies. Okay. Um, because I really think that as people are brave and vulnerable, that hopefully more people will be encouraged um, to share what God has sure. done in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's We've said before, there's no... Um, bigger testimony. There's not like, well, I got saved when I was a kid and I never got in too much trouble, so I don't have a testimony. That's not true. That's not a thing. Um, Because God's sustaining grace is as important as his uh, saving grace and all those things that we won't go into right now. But um, I was so delighted to get this message from Linda. And she had not actually heard a lot of the testimony. She had just heard a couple of the podcasts. So this was straight up the Lord. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Speaking to her heart. So Linda, thank you so much for coming in today and sharing with us. I'm looking forward to what... You want to tell us about how God has worked in your life.
2: Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, we're glad
1: you're here. Um, so Linda is
0: married to Mark. And anything else you want to tell us? Well, Linda? we, we like, need to describe them so well, people
1: will know who they are. Okay. Like, well,
0: it, it, they can always look at the picture on Facebook, the Facebook post with this podcast. True. But how do you describe her?
1: Well, I mean, she plays the keys a lot of times. She with does the beautiful reddish hair. Yes. And and Mark may or may not make the cut, you know, with the picture. Sometimes I put the whole couple, right. the couple or the family, sometimes mm-hmm. I don't. So her husband, Mark, is often playing the drums. Yes. Um, so do you guys always play on the same Sundays? Not always. Okay, so we can't guarantee that if you're playing the keys, the drummer is your husband. <laughs>
2: That's right. Don't
1: make a mistake. Michelle would not like it. Oh, because it it's Phillip. usually Philip. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if it's not Philip, and uh, it's a really... Um, worshipful excited fun cool redheaded dude that would That's be mark who yes. belongs to linda awesome so good
0: so linda what do you what do you do for work and then what do you do for fun i work for the state department of
2: children's services okay I do computer support for them and um, i love to fish i love to work in the garden i like to design landscape and we just did a remodel to our house and and uh, Mark is a professional photographer, so we added a studio space recently. Oh, awesome! And I love that. Yeah, and, uh, and we just
0: we love to play music together. So okay, awesome. I wish I had that story, but BJ nor I are musical. <laughs> But we have a piano in our house, so if it's you're good. musical, come over and play sometime. Hey, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, Linda, I know, that, I know that God prompted you to come in and share your testimony, and I'm thankful that he did, and so I'm excited to hear about it. Why don't you just go ahead and, and tell, us, tell us how you came to know and love the Lord? I know you said it's a little bit of a story, but I'm just going to let you take it away because I think, I think God's laid it on your heart what, what you need to share today. Thank you. Um,
2: yeah, the Lord was really dealing with me because normally I'm not one to share a story like this. Um, I have shared my testimony at times with people to help them over over different periods of time. But I've never, I don't think I've ever sat down and just told my whole testimony at one time. It, it's got a happy beginning and a happy ending, but it's kind of gritty and messy in the middle. And... Um, so I guess I would start at the beginning um, my parents didn't go to church when I was younger and uh, but they did the right thing they sent us as kids you know to the church of Christ bus they would put us on that and we'd go to church every Sunday there and uh, my aunt bless her heart she um, she would come every Saturday no matter what my parents were doing we lived out on a farm and I mean if they were out with the hogs or if they were, wearing briars or whatever, she would find them and she would walk through briars and everything else and she would invite them to church. She would not give up. And she's the reason I'm here now that she's the reason I'm a Christian and she's the reason my whole family
0: is Christian. It's
1: awesome.
2: What's her name? Um Joyce.
0: I love that because I feel like sometimes if we invite somebody once, we're like, Okay, well I've not invited them, I'm not mm-hmm. doing it again and maybe they need more than the one right. once or twice invitation. Right. Anyways, yeah. So.
2: And, and she wouldn't give up. She just kept on. She didn't care where they went to church as long as they would go to church somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she wanted them to go to her church. But uh, she just kept on and, and would not give up. And you never know why the Lord lays stuff on your heart to do like that. And it's just, as you hear my story, you'll see how, how much of a bearing it had on my whole family. Um, so finally, she just wore them down, and they went <laughs> to church. And brought all of us kids with them. And, um, of course, I had been going to the Church of Christ, and we didn't have music and stuff. And when we come in the church, oh, they had a piano, and they had drums and guitars and tambourines. And I was 10 years old. It was back in 1975. Yeah. <laughs> 1975. 70-ish. And, uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was 1975, and I was 10 years old. And uh, when they started... The worship service, I was like, me and my little brother, he's like six or seven years old, we put our hands over our ears and started crying. We wanted to leave. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, I'm a music (laughs) lover now, but back then, it was like, it was horrible. It's not the way we did church. Mm -hmm. And then when they would stand up and pray, you know, one person usually would pray. All these people prayed at the same time, and it's like, what is going on here? Uh So the preacher did his sermon and everything, and he gave an altar call at the end. And he had everybody standing up. And I looked over at my dad, and his shoulders were shaking. Mm-hmm. And he was holding on to the pew in front of him so hard that his knuckles were white. Wow. And I'm like, what's the matter with my daddy? And the preacher was given the invitation, and daddy just pushed past me, and he went down the aisle. And he stuck his hand out to shake the preacher's hand. He didn't know what to do. And bless the preacher's heart, he said, you know, I can't save you. There's altar. Ask God to save you. Okay. And so Daddy said, I just want to do what's right. (laughs) And so he he gave his heart to the Lord. And he he likes to say now, I came alive in 75. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that's his big saying. (laughs) That's great. Because he went on to be a preacher is part of my story next. Um, Anyway, so... The preacher was was still giving the altar call and stuff, and he said, I looked over at my mama, and she had that same white knuckle holding Mm -hmm. on to the thing. And here she was, you know, she had this big, boofed-up hair, the really dark black eyeliner and the green eyeshadow and her maxi long dress, you know, and stuff. And he said, why don't we make it a family affair? And that's all she needed. She took off, and, I mean, tears just streaming, mascara going everywhere. (laughs) And... I was like, oh, my goodness, what happened to my family? (laughs) And So I'm like, you know, I'm I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. So they come back from the altar, and Mama's a mess. You know, she's got stuff streaked all over. It's all over her dress, on her sleeves. But they had the sweetest smile on their face, and their face was actually glowing. Wow, Mm, that's great. And uh, my daddy's a salesman, and that's what he did for a living. He's retired now, but... um, he did what most new converts do. He went out in the highways and hedges and compelled them to come in. <laughs> Good <for him>. We <laughs> took carloads of people. It was the Mount Pleasant Church of God
1: mm-hmm.
2: where we went. And, um, I mean, he was responsible for getting a lot of people in church. And uh, after uh, some time had passed and he'd been in church for a while, he felt the call of the Lord to preach. Mm-hmm. And so he would evangelize and go to different churches. and And eventually... He was responsible for starting five different churches. Wow. And they're that's all amazing. still, as far as I know, they're all still open and working today. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, um, the Linden Church of God was one of those that he helped to start. And my sister and her husband pastor that e- that church even today.
1: Oh, that's so cool. They've been there that for awesome. for mm-hmm. probably 20
2: years. Wonderful. And um, so the Parsons Church of God and, and different churches and stuff and and he went on to pastor a couple of those churches that he helped to start. Mm-hmm. So I think back, my Aunt Joyce, you know, she thought she was wading through stuff and getting, trying to get to them, to talk to them, invite them to church. All of those souls might yes. not have been saved had she not followed the Lord's leading and went out and invited people and didn't give up. Mm-hmm. Right. That was the important part. She just wouldn't give up. Yeah. And because she knew God had a plan and so he did. He he. There was a lot of souls got saved through all that, and um, what happened is, um, there was this family, and their daughter was blind, and she had a piano, an old upright piano, and she had learned to play the piano on that. And they had, I don't know if they sold it to Mama, Mama and Daddy or if they gave it to him. And anyway, so we'd never played the piano. My, you know, my siblings never played the piano or anything. So. Um, Mama sent me and my sister to go take lessons. This little old lady lived out in the Boom Docks, and, and about the second lesson, she told me, she said, "Honey, don't don't you come back. Your sister can. Don't you come back. Your hands are too small. I can't teach you." <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so my sisters kept taking the lessons, and she would come home and she put the little, um, you know, the freezer masking tape on the keys of the piano uh-huh. and wrote down what the keys were, and she would come home and do her practice. And I would watch, and then when she was done, then I'd get on it and bang on it, and that's how I learned how to play. Wow,
0: wow. I love. I
2: mean, that. I play by ear only. You know, that's I would amazing. love to play by sheet music, but I—that's—that's I, that's the way I learned. And it's really funny because to hear us both play, we both we play totally different, right? But that is how that I that I come to love music and and learned how to play that. And I play the drums a little bit too. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, yeah. And so as as we got into churches and Daddy was evangelizing and stuff, of course, his kids, you know, <laughs>
1: right dragged right they, into everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: But, um, again, I was around 10 years old at that time when they, they come to the Lord. But I, at 10 years old, I had a drug problem mm. that I got into. I was drugged to Sunday school. <laughs> I was drugged to Wednesday night service. I was drugged to, you know, Sunday twice a day. And uh, so (laughs) he made sure every time the doors were open, we were there. His whole family was there. And um, a couple of weeks after they got saved, I ended up getting saved. Mm. And uh, me and my cousin went down to the altar and gave our hearts to the Lord, and I've been saved ever since. Amen. And I've just um, tried to live my life the best I could for the Lord. Um, But it was interesting because um, when we got to the Parsons Church of God, that was one of the last ones that Daddy pastored. And I was involved. I, did, I taught Sunday school class, and you know, I'm still a teenager. I taught Sunday school class. I was helping with a youth group. Um, we were um, involved in a bus ministry. We would go around in the community. Somebody okay. would drive the bus and pick kids up. Yeah, and we would do puppets and uh, did the puppet ministry, and we'd do puppets and sing and stuff while he was there. Yeah. So, and, and at times I was a worship leader, you know, a song leader when my sister would play the piano at times then I would play the drums mm-hmm. and so we just we were just musically inclined after that point yeah. but um, that was really funny. but it was there that I met my first husband okay. and um, and I yeah said first husband it wasn't Mark <laughs> um, and I ended up dating him a couple of years and we ended up I quit school and got married at 17 and um, we just started our life, our married life. I had never worked before. I went straight to the factory six days a week mm. and I'm like, Oh, I should have stayed in school oh, wow. <laughs> And uh so he was not really good to work, keep a job. He was a little older than me but um but I worked constantly and everything and there were times that we were homeless. And uh, he was not not a real good provider, but he loved the Lord and he did the best he could at the mm-hmm. time because he was young too, mm-hmm. you know. And um, as time went on, we you know we did better financially stuff. And we had actually uh, he had a calling to preach on his life, and we ended up in the eleven years that we were married, he pastored we pastored three churches, okay, and um, one of them in Summertown actually, and two in West Tennessee. And so he had first started out evangelizing, much like my dad did, and then he ended up getting asked to pastor the church. The first one was in Summertown. And, but we ended up moving 22 times in 11 wow. years. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, either for churches or different things, you know, just trying to find work and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, um, and the last church that we pastored was in West Tennessee. And um, we had a great group of young people that really looked up to him and me both, you know. And we've always done good and done a lot of things with young people. It's, it's been our youth ministry's big, big part of our what we did. And, of course, music. He, he played the guitar and sang, and, and, of course, I sang, played the piano. And so we just, like, we did revivals and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, we had a lot of uh, couples that was our age because this time I'm, like, 26, 27 mm-hmm. years old, and we've been married about 10 years or so. And um, these couples, after church, we had a house that was down the road from the church, and every Sunday night, all those young couples would come down, and we, you know, I'd fix big pots of soup, and we'd cook out or whatever. We, mm-hmm. you know, fellowship for hours on end, and uh, everything was great for a time. Mm-hmm. And um, then I found out that. Um, that he was having an affair with my best friend. Mm-hmm. She was the worship leader in our church, and her husband was a deacon in our church, and they had been married for like 14 years. Mm-hmm. And I found out that it had been going on for a little while, and um, I didn't believe it at first, yeah. and I confronted him with it and everything. And and he ended up, you know, I begged him to stay and let's work it out, and you know, he just had made up his mind that he was going to leave. So here I was in West Tennessee, two hours away from all my family. And I was, I had a job in a managing a dress shop in Jackson. And I had actually hired her to work with me as my assistant manager because she was working in a factory and I, I hated a factory and I knew she did too. So I pulled some strings and got her hired. And, you know, she knew the days that I was working and she was off where i would be so she would you know so it just it was just a like somebody just kicked you in the gut yeah Yeah. it was a a major blow and you know i'm 20 28 years old i don't know how to handle this you know i was just doing the best i could we was working for the lord god was saving souls and the church was growing and and the church just after this happened they moved in together The church just fell apart, and here I was trying to. I had a mortgage payment Mm -hmm. by myself Mm -hmm. and car payment, and just trying to deal with what had happened, just deal with the fallout with the church and all those young people that had looked up to him so much. Right, and it was just devastating for Mm -hmm. anybody, any age, but especially if you're young. And um, I'm like, what did I do? How did I fail? You know, what what could I have done differently? And I blamed myself. But I was doing the best I knew how, and um, it wasn't my fault that he did that, and I know that now, but at that time, you know, the devil just kind of, he'll spoon-feed you depression Mm -hmm. and deceitfulness and guilt, and I was in such a low state that I was just eating it up, and he was was more than happy to depress me and, and give me all those bad feelings, and and so, um, like I said, I was up there away from... It was very embarrassing to be in the community. I was just... I felt I felt like um, unloved, unwanted. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the matter with me? Right. My health went downhill. Um, I've never been a skinny chick. But um, I lost 100 pounds in eight months.
1: Wow. Oh. My goodness.
2: And I was... I had... of course still working and I had taken some extra jobs cleaning houses on the side to try to make ends meet and I was basically living off a loaf of bread and mayonnaise, Mm. (laughs) mayonnaise sandwiches and cans of soup and uh, that kind of stuff and uh, the depression just went deeper and deeper and one night I just couldn't take it anymore and you know the devil was just feeding me all this steel, and I'm just like... You're right, I can't take it anymore. I can't make it without him. I I can't, I, you know, I'm worthless. There's no reason for me to, you know, I'm just a useless, worthless thing of skin, basically. And um, I just decided, I went to the bedroom and I sat on the side of the bed and I got the gun out of the bedside table and I loaded it, the bullets in the chamber and I put the chamber in the gun and I put it to my temple. And, you know, I'd been in church all the years, you know, up to this point, And I'm like, God, I know I'm not supposed to do this. But you said you wouldn't leave me and you don't love me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just felt unloved. Mm-hmm. And don't ever think that God does not love you. And don't ever say, don't you love me? Because he loves you. as your chi- You're his child and he's your father and you can't do anything. That he would not love you anymore, right? And but I was just at that point, I was just listening to the devil just talking in my ear, and I'm like, I, I can't, I can't deal anymore, I just can't deal. And I said, If you want me to not do this, then you're gonna have to help me in the phone room. Hmm. And it was a friend of mine that didn't even know about all this stuff that had happened, and he said, I just felt led, I should call you. It's a little late. I'm sorry, but I I just God just dealt with me to call you. I didn't tell him at that time yeah. that what I, I was about to do, mm-hmm. but he stopped me, mm-hmm. and um and he talked to me and he was encouraging. And we talked for a while. And when I got off the phone, I just I just sit there on the bed and I just curled up in a ball and I was just rocking on the bed with my knees up to my chest and I was just crying and praying and saying. Okay, you don't want me to kill myself, but you're gonna have to help me. Yes, and I said I just don't feel your presence anymore. Mm-hmm. I just feel alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really, it was really a life changing thing that happened next because I felt on my back just a really uh, a warmth, and then I felt felt like a blanket or wings, however you want to say it. They just enveloped my whole body, and I just felt that warmth and that comfort, and it I know it was the peace of God because it, it took away that hurt, and it helped me through that night because that was going to be my not, last night on earth. That was my plan, and he let me know, I'm still with you. Mm-hmm. I haven't went anywhere. You know, people get away from me, but I'm always here. Yeah. And so that just confirmed in my heart that he was still with me no matter what mm-hmm. and I was gonna make it. I just had to get determined. I was gonna make it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so after that night I Kelly I thought, okay, i I got I can do this, I can do this, and I just kept working and trying to pay the bills and I stayed up there in West Tennessee and where my job was and stuff. And I went to visit my family because I was cleaning some houses in Hornwall where they live, too, on a Sunday. I was working six days a week and then cleaning houses on Sunday. No, you're not supposed to work on Sunday, but I, I had to. And um, I went to their church, and uh, I, they asked me to sing and play piano stuff. And after church was over, this guy come, and he, uh, he introduced himself. And he was talking to me and said, you know, he enjoyed my singing and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't thinking dating at all. <laughs> you know, I was not. I, I wanted to have children. I wanted to have a family. And I, I wanted to do that with my first husband. And we had moved so much and our lives was so erratic. And then to, you know, hindsight, it was good that we didn't since we divorced. But, uh Looking back at it, it, it is a good thing that we didn't. But I wanted to have a family. That was first and foremost in my mind. And I'm I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm still young. And and you need to send me somebody. I need somebody in my life. Because I've been married my whole adult life at this point, you know. Right. And um, so this guy started talking to me. And he was saying all the right things. You know, he asked me out and I went. And he was saying, you know, you're pretty, you know. You're talented. All the things that you felt like you weren't anymore yeah. when somebody leaves you, you mm-hmm. uh, know. And he just said all the all the good stuff that I needed to hear and encouraged me. And uh, he knew I wanted to have a family. You know, we talked about that, and we dated not long enough, and we ended up getting married. And uh, he wanted he had two kids, and he said he wanted to have more kids and he had an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they he had custody of them. They lived with him um, pretty much full-time. Their mom was not real, uh, you know, part of the situation, and so I had a ready-made family, and I just loved that. Mm-hmm. I loved that, you know, and I thought, oh, thank you, God. I finally, you know, finally got a family. Even if they're just my stepkids, it's still a family. Yeah. And there's a chance, you know, I'm still young enough to have kids. And and uh, so the first year was really great. And the first year it was really good, and the kids loved me, and I loved them. And, I mean, I would just, they call me Mama, you know, and everything. And uh, at the end of that first year, it started going downhill a little bit. Um, he started, he had a temper, and I knew that when I married him. But, um. You know, he was always good to me, and he was a good provider. He would work, my yeah. first <laughs> husband would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a good provider, and, um, you know, he was very um, w- with his kids when he would discipline them. He was very controlled with his temper, and uh, the only time he would lose his temper is with me, and I didn't have to necessarily do anything. It was just if he come home in a bad mood— you had to walk on eggshells, because yeah. you didn't know what was going to
0: happen or what might set him off.
2: Right there was, and it took nothing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes nothing. He just he just come home that way, and um, you know I tried to. I was working and I was trying to be there when the kids got off the bus every time, and we we did fun things together. And I I would try to be a mother to his children, and and at first it started. He would just like push me or shove me or something. And uh, then as time went on, it got worse, and it got a little bit more aggressive. And um, then he had started to to really hit me. And over a period of time, I mean, he would always apologize after he did it. He would get me flowers. He'd buy me jewelry. He, you know, he'd cry, and, and we'd pray. He was a Christian. And we'd pray and say, you know, he said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what comes over me to do that kind of thing. I will never do it again. And, you know, it's if you've ever been, anybody out there that's ever been in an abusive situation, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they promise they'll never do it again. And and they do all these promises that, you know, and make it up to you over and over. And then something happens, and they go right back into it. He'd be good for maybe two weeks or so. hmm and he'd just come in, and maybe the tea wasn't sweet enough, or something. You know, mm-hmm. it's just he'd just go off. And uh, he um, fractured my elbow one time. Mm-hmm. He gave me black eyes. He uh, knocked me down in the driveway one time and dragged me across by the hair of my head across the rocks. And uh, it, it was, it was really. It got worse as time went on, and and uh, we were still going to church. And hiding, you know, I was—I didn't wear short sleeves anymore. Yeah, I'd wear long sleeves to hide the bruises. I didn't wear skirts or dresses anymore. I'd wear uh, pants to hide the bruises where he would kick me. And, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing because I felt like a failure in my first marriage because I couldn't make it work. And, you know, the devil comes and tells you all this stuff. Oh, you are a failure. You're worthless, you know. This is your second marriage, and you can't even make it work. And You're a Christian, you know. Mm. You don't even believe in divorce. How could you, you know, you can't. What's the common denominator between two marriages? It's you. You're the problem, you know. And it's the, the lies that he tells you, and 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 it was just... He was just coming back again at me like he had done in the beginning. And the last time that um, that he beat me up, I had to go to the hospital. And it was very, very degrading because um, the doctor said they had to call the cops. By law, they had to call the cops, and I didn't want any cops. The cops had come to our house before... Um, for dropped nine one one calls, where the kids knew what he was doing, and they, the girl called nine one one, and he come and ripped the phone out of the wall, and um, he had beat me up so bad in the bedroom. When the cops come to the front door, you know he was saying, "Oh, the kids were just playing on the phone," and I could not crawl to get to the bedroom door to get out to get help,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and I left, but I went back. I was so stupid because I thought oh, I can't. You know, I was supposed to be married. I can't. I can't divorce again. Uh, God wants me to be here. These kids need me, and the mm-hmm. kids would beg me to come back. If I left, they would beg me to come back. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it really played on your heartstrings when your kid, when the kids, but they're like my kids, are saying, you know, Daddy won't do it no more. We'll make Daddy not do it no more. Yeah. And uh, I come back. And then he'd do it again. And uh, the last time he did it, I had to go to the hospital, and it was very degrading for cops to come in and take pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, He had been aiming for my face, and he hit my chest, and uh, it left a big goose egg, and he had left a bunch of bruises on my back and on my stomach. And... uh, I told him, I said, you hurt me. You hurt me so bad because I couldn't catch my breath. And uh, and I said, you hit me in the chest right r- near my heart. He actually hit me near my heart. And uh, he said, well, that's too bad because I was aiming for your face. Hmm. And uh, he would do stuff like break my furniture that I brought when we were married. And um, he would spit in my face, which was the worst, worst of it. And he would, um, you know, little trinkets or something that he knew I liked. If he was on his rampage, he would say, You like this, don't you? And I'd say, Yeah, I do. And he'd break it in front of me just to hurt me. And I, it was just, it was, it was devil. It was the devil just I know it was. Just, it was just, just meanness. meanness. And he didn't drink, he didn't take drugs. He was supposedly a Christian. um, he did Operation Christmas Child every every year at our at our church. Yeah, he was at church every Sunday. Yeah,
1: but something was broken. Yeah, to be like that, you know, yes. hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, there's no excuse. No, but he was obviously broken. That's
2: true. And so, I mean, you. At one point, he had um, he had pulled the gun on me. While I was still there, and I was in his daughter's bedroom, and I got in front of her so he wouldn't hurt her and he was just he just looked wild in his eyes he wasn't in his right mind and uh, I mean it was within inches of my face it was a thirty-eight, and uh, you've not lived until you see the end of the bullets when you're looking down the face of that gun and uh, I hollered for his son who was a football player this was towards the end of the marriage so um, the girl was 15 at this time and the boy was 17 and he come and tackled his dad into the floor. I mean, the gun could have went off, killed me, killed, killed him, could have killed his kids. And he got the gun away from me and gave it to me, slid it across the floor to me. And I got it and took the bullets out of it. And I hid the bullets and hid the gun different places. And It was just stuff like that. It was like, I know God does not want me to stay in this. No. It's true. I don't believe in divorce but I know God does not expect me to stay in something like this. Right, Absolutely not. And uh, so the cops came, and they took the pictures in the hospital of um, of the bruises mm-hmm. and stuff. And I would not press charges. I didn't want to do that to his kids because without me there, you know, they didn't really have a mom to speak of. And if they didn't have their daddy there, they wouldn't have nobody. And... As a stepmom, I didn't have any rights, you know, to see them after we were divorced or anything. And um, I remember his daddy got cancer, which added to stress, which made things worse. And uh, hospice was, he was sent home to die, basically, his dad was. And, and I was there visiting and, and praying with him, and he said, I want you to promise me that you won't leave these kids. And because uh, he knew what his son was doing. And I said, Pops, I called him Pops. And I said, I'll do the best I, could, I can absolutely do. And it wasn't long after that he died. And uh, I had a black eye at his funeral that I was trying to cover up. Mm. And, uh, it was not going <laughs> to stop. Yeah. It was just going to get worse. And I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt, 100%, had I stayed there, I would not be here today. He might have accidentally done it, but he would have killed me. Mm-hmm. He would have. There's no doubt in my mind, mm-hmm. and it, and it kind of got me out of the situation, and um, I never did go back. And we got my furniture out later. I had police escort to take me over there, and you know the devil started coming in with that guilt and failure, and you know, you know you're worthless. You're you're not worth anything, and I'm like devil. I'm not doing this no more. Mm-hmm. I'm not listening to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let you take me down the road to suicide again. I, I'm a child of the king, of the king, yeah. and I can make it. And I'm gonna make it. Just it, I don't care if it hair lips the devil, as my mama says. <laughs> I'm gonna make it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I didn't get a chance to finish school because I had quit school to go, you know, to work at the factory when I got married the first time, and so. Um, i applied for some financial help to help pay for books and I, I went back to school and i got a degree and i i rented a place out on my own and the kids when they got grown they would come and see me that but they'd still say you know don't tell daddy we've been here mm-hmm. even when they had kids they'd bring their kids to see me yeah the grand, what would have been my grandkids right. and they'd still they were afraid of their day they say you know don't don't tell Daddy we were here. We don't want him to get mad. And uh, But I went on with my life, and I told the Lord, you know, if if it's meant for me to be single, then you, you help me. Because I was still young. I still didn't have kids. And I stayed in that abusive marriage for four years. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I never had kids with him, but he knew I wanted them. But I found out later that he had had a vasectomy, and he didn't tell me. He had had it years ago. Mm. He never intended for us to have kids together. And I'm like, Lord, am I not ever supposed to have kids then? I mean, is it, is it my road to be single and just die single and not ever have children? Mm. And um, I said, if that's what you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. You just you give me the grace to bear it and to do it, and I'll do it. Yeah. And so time went on, and... And uh, I would date a few people here and there, but you know, I didn't want any cheaters and no beaters. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was very careful with who that I, I might have went out on a date with. for a long time, I didn't date at all for for five years. There went by, and I, I, I mean, I barely went out with anybody. And um, time went on, and and I was supposed to went out with some friends of mine. Well. When I got my degree, I ended up getting a job right after that in Columbia. Mm-hmm. I lived in Hornwall with the Department of Children's Services. And I don't do the case management stuff, Right, but I do the computer support. And uh, in some way, I feel like if I'm indirectly helping kids that were abused.
1: Absolutely. And mm-hmm. it, it
2: feels rewarding mm-hmm. for that part of it, although I I've never done the case management work. But if I can be a part of it in some way, and those people are heroes, I yes, tell you, those people—they have very uh, thankless jobs. Right, the things that they do for our kids mm-hmm. in the state of Tennessee, and I mean, my hats off to them. I really highly regard them, mm-hmm. and it's very, very hard work, and it's it's underappreciated greatly. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: it and takes uh, an emotional to- toil on them too. I, I
2: couldn't do that job that they do. Mm-hmm. But the, what little bit I could do, the computer support. So, you know, to help them get their information in the system right. for their visits and stuff. And those people, people know, they can see your life. And they know you're a Christian. I had a lot of people, some that I work with, some in different places that I've been through my life. And they know a praying person. when they say, well, you don't even have to say it. They know. I've had people say, I know you're a prayer warrior. I know you're a Christian. Yeah. Will you pray for me for this? Or they'll come up and talk to me. Maybe they're going through an abusive situation. And, you know, I talk to them because I know what I'm talking about because yeah. I've been through it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So can I ask you, Linda, what what advice would you give to someone in an abusive situation? I'm glad you asked that. Um,
2: back in the 90s when I was going through it, there were places that I could have went and, mm-hmm. and took advantage of the help. And I didn't do it, mm-hmm. unfortunately but now there are so many places where uh, somebody that's being battered, being abused, don't stay in it. Don't it's not worth it. Take your children and leave and get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. There's there's no reason not to take advantage of that help that's out there. And I mean
0: cuz you do feel like it's going to escalate to the point like you said even in your situation where may not mean to kill you but it happens oh, yeah. because you I know. would
2: not be here talking to you today had I stayed. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I didn't even have children with him as is as, as part of the thing to hold me to him, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine somebody that has children with a person that's doing that and that it's doing to their children maybe and in,
0: to them. Yeah.
2: Um. But yeah, if you're a woman being abused, please get help. Because
0: mm-hmm. there are safe safe places, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that that it's part of control that you know I'll hurt you if you leave or I'll do this if you leave, but there's there's protections in place for that. Right. So we'll,
1: we'll put some resources in the podcast notes. That, we'll get be some information to to great. list there.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And and don't stay. Don't
2: stay. Don't think. Um. You know that you're worthless and you deserve it for some reason. There's nothing you could do. That makes you worthy of being beat by somebody,
0: right? Yeah. you don't deserve to be beaten yeah. by anybody. That's right.
2: And uh,
0: and they're not going to change unless they get help. So the right. promises of "I'm going to change" have to be followed up with professional help. Like that's it's not—they're right. not, not going to be able to change without. It's not them. something that Somehow. you can do <coughs> to change no. them. Right. And I mean.
2: it's interesting because he had went to counseling a couple times with me, and uh, they recommended anger management classes and he refused to do he that followed through. He didn't think he had a problem mm-hmm. and uh you know he was doing this in front of his children what does that tell his son how right. to treat a woman when they're you know when he grows up and marries right. and what message does that tell his daughter to expect or uh, you know how to t- a man should treat a woman right. and so yeah don't stay get out get help get counseling there's just so many resources nowadays And back then there wasn't that many resources, but yeah, you should get help. Don't stay in it. You are worth something. You are worth more than that. Yeah. Well, thank you,
0: thank you for giving that advice because I think it it means more when it comes from somebody who's been in the situation than just from somebody outside saying it. Absolutely.
1: You know what? Let's let's wrap up this podcast session and come back. And get the rest of the so- story, the so to speak. On yeah, there's some good news, um, in a, in the next episode. Are you good with that, Miss Linda? If we do I it can that do way, Miss are you good with that, that? Sounds great. Okay, I do want to say really quickly before we head out of this one, though. Um, <clears throat> I made a note um, that any time we are feeling feelings of now, obviously guilt. If I've done something wrong, the Holy Spirit will use guilt Conviction. to convict me, to convict me. But if it goes into shame. Um, If it goes into worthlessness, if it goes into you're no good or you deserve this, that is never from the Lord. And you've said that. And I just wanted to point that out again, that that is a lie of the devil. Um, And so any, and it's not just related to marriage or an abusive situation or anytime we get those feelings from anywhere, we can be assured that that's not from God.
0: Well, and it sometimes even, I mean, this isn't the case with Linda's situation, but even if you've sinned and done something wrong, the Lord's conviction is never to shame you. Right. It's to get right. you to change course. Yes. In a loving way mm-hmm. to um, receive forgiveness and right. acceptance. It's never to shame you and make you feel worthless because exactly. that's not the point. That's exactly. right.
2: Exactly. And Satan is ready and willing to pounce use in those that negativity
0: mm-hmm. and and
2: negativity breeds negativity, and you go down that slippery slope. I mean, that's what he wants you to do, and and God is there for you, and he is never far. Yes, that's right. He is there for you, all you've got to do is ask him to help you, and he helped me and I have a very happy life now. Yeah.
1: Right. We're going well, to get that's together. A, that's yes. a good place to put a bookmark. That's right. I was going to say one <laughs> more quick thing, too. We'll get a little more information out about this, but I, I wanted to put it here um, because one of our Grace U classes this fall that's going to start on August 11th is called Mind, Mind Wars. Mm. And it's all about being aware of the schemes and the lies of the enemy so that we can combat them with the word of God and with the truth of God. So be looking, um, if that's something that you you feel like would be helpful in your own life, be looking for that class, that information that's coming up, and we'll be getting that information out soon. But for now, we're going to wrap this one up, but we'll be back soon. And we may not make you wait two weeks on the rest yeah, of this we may story, <laughs> but we're going <laughs> to we're gonna get it in another episode. So here we go. Miss Burr, you want to take us out of here? Sure. Listeners, stay tuned because there's more good stuff
0: hearing people's testimonies. I hope you know that God's grace is sufficient for you.